0: Good morning, everyone. Kind of got a few things um, to uh, talk about and the main sermon. And uh, I, I won't get into that many, really. But <laughs> sometimes I take some notes and uh, like to make sure that I'm getting the uh, some of the points across or don't miss something that should be mentioned while we're there. So this morning I'm going to be speaking about let this mind be in you. It's a mindset, it really is. And people that go against that mindset of God, um, they probably do know the difference between right and wrong. I think they do. Almost anybody can tell whether something is good or bad or righteous or hateful or um, wicked. Um, But we have to have the mindset of Christ in us. That would give us a prayerful mind We'd stay closely to, close to the Heavenly Father, close to Jesus Christ through prayer. And we need a positive mindset. Uh, if people are always in a negative situation or thinking negatively, it's not healthy. It's not a good deal. Um, we need a patient mind. Take things easy. Take things a little, they say, take, take it with a little salt, you know, <laughs> slow down a little bit. And then there's a peaceful mindset, and it seems like people don't like that anymore. It seems like our world has changed. So uh, often people are not peaceful, they cut you off in traffic, and they'll uh, change lanes if there's one car length of distance between the two, they'll squeeze in like they're parallel parking or something. Um, that's, that's not a peaceful mind, and it disturbs everybody else too. And then purposeful mind. We need to have a purpose in life and where we're going to go, what we're going to do. Pearl and I have talked about this a lot with uh, uh, thinking of our grandchildren and um, young people uh, around us, not real close by, but uh, ones that we think of. Somebody will say, well, you should have your, your mind made up of what you're going to be doing by the time you're 16, Well, we look back at ourselves, and other than our Christian life, and Christian values, and good things to do, uh, we weren't fully set when we were 16. In fact, I was going to quit school. I wanted to be a carpenter, and earn a dollar an hour, I'd be wealthy. (laughs) Times change, don't they? Uh, (laughs) I had a good Christian brother that said, don't do that. That you ought to uh, finish your schooling. Make your decisions along the way. But when you finish school, you'll have a different outlook on life. You'll have a different plan on what you want to study and so on. Uh, My mother did the same to a young lady in Canada. And she was going to quit school as well. Home life was a bad situation for her. And she uh, wanted out of it. She was more or less a servant to her brothers and folks. And she wanted out of it. And my mother said, no, you hang in there. You finish out your schooling, your grade 12. She only had one year to go at that point. said, so you finish that out and you're, the door will open for you. A few years later, she remembered when her job gave her sufficient income that she could make a trip to Hawaii. That's different than quitting before you got to the point where you could do something with your life. Of course, there's always that joke about the pastor that was asked if he would take the church in Hawaii. And he said, well, I'll be praying about it. But my wife is packing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We uh, should be able to enjoy life, right? And enjoy some things around about us. So those are uh, things that I I want to talk about. Uh, But let's start in uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And I, I was going to use just one verse, and then I got to think, no, I need two, three, four verses, and I started going more and more. I thought, no, I've got to include this much. So go with me to Philippians chapter 2, and starting with uh, verse 1. If there, uh, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any um, fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy. I kind of like a verse like this because he's giving you a bunch of things to think of, uh, four or five you know, things. He's giving you something to open your mind with and to think a little bit. If there's any of these things going on in the story around you, fulfill ye my joy, the writer's joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord in one mind. He's talking to this church, and he said, if these things are true, if these things are good that that I'm telling you about, fulfill my joy. Let let me see your joy in me, and so on. Let me see you doing well. Let me see that you're praying about it. Be like-minded for some of these good things. Choose the good, reject the bad. So verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other, I wish I had an S on it, <laughs> others better than, than, than ourselves, themselves. Uh, it's, it's a tough thing to look at other people and say, uh, I, I've, I've got my value, you know, I feel pretty good about myself, and I'm not so sure about them. You know, That's not the right way. <laughs> That's not the right way. We need to esteem the other better than us. Give them value. Then verse 4, Look not everyone on his own things. That's what an S. But every man also on the things of others. And they say, stay out of my face. That's the way our world is. They don't want to hear that you're concerned about their welfare and their well-doing, their their happiness, their care, their concern, their loved ones. Uh, They don't want you to bother. Just get out of my way so that I can get by. Yeah. But that's not the way Christians should be like. They should be like this. Why? Well, we get to the next verse. Why? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of god thought it not robbery to be equal with god but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men he said okay i'm going to do it i'm going to take a humble position i'm going to i know i've got value i'm the son of god i've got all this I like to say, the second-in-command of the universe. I've got all this kind of power available to me, but I'm just going to lay back here a little bit, and I'm going to let others have a chance, I'm going to help others. I'm equal with God, really, because he's got the Son of God. How much is he lacking? Not very much. Heavenly Father's still number one. <laughs> but boy, he's got it made. And he said, no, I'm going to take a lesser position I'm going to be a servant to others. I'll take that servant position. And he became like human beings. That's pretty tough to do. When you know in the future they're going to spit on you in the face, they're going to slap you and pull your beard out hair by hair kind of thing, maybe just grab a handful and jerk. Uh, the people that Jesus created when God said, let us make man in our image, He's going to allow that image, that human being, to discredit him, work him over, be miserable to him. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Obedient. That at the um, uh, therefore God hath also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. Jesus could have said, I know this is coming ahead of time. I know this is who I am. I don't have to put up with this garbage. I don't have to put up with these troubles. But he didn't do that. He knew he was highly exalted, but he said, no, that's okay. I'm a servant. I'm going to... I'll set the table if I have to. I'll make the food. I'll feed 5,000 if that's needed. He said, I'm going to be a servant. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall or should, I think it's going to be shall, bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. They're going to have to bow, whether they like it or not. Jesus is in charge verse 11, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is everything except except that one spot where the Heavenly Father is higher than him. It's going to be to the glory of the Heavenly Father. Wow. What kind of a person are we dealing with? Do you see why the disciples, when they saw Jesus still the ocean, the Sea of Galilee, when he stilled the waters, stilled the wind, and made it calm? What kind of a man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? Yes, that's who we're dealing with. Wow. So along that same line, the extra sheet that I put in here, I got to thinking about the uh, worshiping. Some people want to worship wherever they feel like it. Somebody feels like they've got a right to say that Tyler, Texas is the only place you're going to worship in. Everybody from the United States needs to go to Tyler, Texas. What? Where was the last place God put his name? Or is that even a Bible verse? that God says, you'll worship where I tell you, where I place my name. That's where you're going to worship. First, it was Bethel. That could have been it. But God chose Jerusalem and had a temple built for him, a house built for him. Read the whole story about David being a little afraid. You know, look, I'm going to build a house for myself and God's living in a tent. This isn't right. So he wanted to plan, he wanted to do it right. And God said, no, it's not for you. It's going to be your sons. That's going to do the building. God had a plan, but that was the place. And then you look up some of the verses. Well, is there a verse that says that you need to worship where God says you do? Some people don't want to hear that. Ah, we can worship where we want. Jesus said, you won't worship in this mountain or that one. Well, that was after his time. Because they were still worshiping at Jerusalem. The temple was still there. The veil was not torn yet. Okay. So then you start going and looking at all these verses. And I counted them up. Took me a while. (laughs) I guess it's a good exercise, isn't it? 25 verses. And you shall worship where I say, where my name is. So how do we have a right to change things? Or when did it change? Who had the authority and the power to say, no, you don't have to do that way. God said that, but you don't have to listen to that. You're going to worship Tyler, Texas, or who knows where else. Somebody names a spot and say, this is where you're going to bring your offerings, your tithes, and so on. Um, Wow, they're in trouble. Took a look at all of these here. We know the system of uh, ceremonial system was coming to an end. So yes, it's true. The sacrificing would not be done anymore. Not where it's going to be done, but it won't be done anymore. There won't be any sacrificing. The temple was smashed, never to be rebuilt. It wasn't immediate. It took about 30, 35 years or so. 70 AD is when it got smashed. And um, just totally ruined. But that was not to be the system where they would be worshipping. And, of course, you don't... Um, have sacrifices. If you can't uh, sacrifice an animal, then that system has to stop. Jesus Christ is our lamb. Jesus Christ is our savior. His blood was what saves us. Not a lamb or a goat or a sheep. And that, that system came to an end. So when you start into something like that, it's very interesting to watch for verses that say, um, The place which the Lord your God shall choose, and shall put His name there. Those are kind of search words that you can use. um, That I have chosen to set my name there. Um, I'm going to. Anybody that looks to this mountain, he said at one time, looks to where this building is, and prays to the Heavenly Father. There will be special efforts on their prayer requests. That was an important place, but it had an ending. And Jesus knew that when he was here, he talked about it. And they couldn't worship there anymore. When the Holy Spirit left the temple, when the holiest of holy place vacated, and the veil was torn from top to bottom, not the other way up. From top to bottom, the veil was torn. And then it was either worship Jesus and accept his sacrifice, or really, there is no other, there is nothing else to worship. People will go out and try to find some other way of worshiping, but it's it's wrong. So in uh, Let This Mind Be In You, we can think of uh, Christ. We can think of what it means to us through thinking of Christ and, and how we'd follow Christ prayerful mind positive mind a patient mind and a peaceful mind and a purposeful mind so let's take our bibles and look through some verses in philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 it says in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto god instructions for us and in fact command right in everything that's command uh let your supplication and thanksgiving uh let your request it's it's commands all the way along right that we're to be in that mindset prayerful mind Uh, christians sometimes fail to think about it deeply enough they uh they it's tragic when they th- don't think about it at all or, or just uh, don't want to be bothered with prayer or don't want to be bothered remembering to pray. The, uh, Jesus prayed. This was an interesting study. Jesus prayed uh, for small things and big things. He prayed for the child. He prayed for the ones that were blind, the ones that were poor prayed for the ones that were well-to-do, the soldiers, commanders. Remember the one commander says, you don't have to come to my house. I understand authority. You have the authority is more or less what he was saying. Jesus, you just say the word. You don't have to drive over there. You don't have to walk over there. You don't have to bring all these people with you over there. Just say the word and my request will be fixed. Because you're a commander and I understand commands and authority. So Jesus would pray for whatever was needed. He kept himself in the spirit of prayer and often alone. I knew of at least two places, so I wanted to zero in on those. But this one in uh, Luke chapter 6, I've got them in front of me as well as in here, so I'm going to take the Bible. If I get trouble with my eyes, I'm going to be trying other things. But look at me. Look with me at Luke, chapter six. Chapter six, and verse twelve. I think I'd like to read a little bit bigger, or tell the story at least a little bit bigger. I want to go back to verse six. Oh yeah, it came to pass on another Sabbath. Okay, and he entered into the synagogue and there was a man there that had his right hand withered. That would be miserable, hard to work with, hard to handle, being poked at, being uh, people saying nasty things about him. Uh, What did you do wrong? You know, what happened to you? And uh, it happened to be the Sabbath day. So Jesus saw the man And he said uh, to the others around him, uh, let's see, verse 6. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue. Oh, I wanted to finish this one first. So verse 3, in the red letters, uh, Jesus answered them. The people that were looking on, the Pharisees and scribes, are going to see what he's going to do and they're going to accuse him. And he knew their thoughts, so he understood that. And uh, uh, in the middle there he says, Have you not heard so much as this that David did when he himself was hungered and uh, in which he... hmm." Uh, chapter 6, I want to go all the way down to 11. 6, I guess, is really where I wanted to be. So let's go back down to 6. There's two stories going here. But in verse 6, there's another Sabbath. So he's in there on the Sabbath and they're asking him questions. They're trying to catch him in things and trying to make make problems for him. So another Sabbath, same thing was going to happen, basically. The man with the withered hand, in verse 6, the scribes and Pharisees were watching to see what he was going to do on the Sabbath day, that they could accuse him. They're going to try to get something against him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. Everybody's going to be watching. And actually this is very good because either Jesus could do it or not do it. So if you stand up, this is going to be embarrassing. You're going to be showing that withered hand. But stand up because there's good things coming. In the midst where everybody can see him. And he arose and stood forth. And Jesus said unto them, those people that were watching and going to judge him, I will ask you one thing before he's going to do something. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy? Good and bad, make a choice, which is best, which is the right way to do. Make a choice. Then he looked around, nobody did anything, and he said to the man with the uh, hand withered, he said, stretch forth your hand. And when he did, it was restored like the other. That's in verse 10. And, there was, and they were filled with madness. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. That was supposedly a very bad thing to do. And the fact that Jesus took authority over the high priests and the levites and the pharisees and scribes and everybody else that was there and he did something that they couldn't do that made them mad just wild with madness so they wanted to do not what, what can we do with jesus in verse 12 and it came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountain to pray that verse is butted up against this problem that he just solved he must have been in strife himself because they were all picking at him rather throw him from the front doorstep. So he went out. And he went out into a mountain to pray and continued there all night in prayer to God. Wow. Now he needed prayer. Do we need prayer? Oh, yeah. We need prayer. Do we ever stay all night? You no. Know, I've heard stories where people said, well, they were going to pray for so many hours. And... Uh, They knelt down, they prayed quite a while, and then he got up and looked at his watch. Only five minutes had gone by. So he got down and prayed some more, and another five minutes had gone by. It's a long time to stay there for an hour. How long is it for all night? How serious are you about your prayer? Jesus was there all night, evidently, because the next verse starts, When it was day, he called his disciples to him and gave them names and so on. He got on with the job, got busy. Amazing. He was there all night, alone. Interesting. Okay, I'd like to look at uh, one other verse. Um, Oh, uh, I I should be able to tell this one. I think I got it here as well. Um, When Jesus took the disciples and he went out to the Garden of Gethsemane and was uh, going to pray, and he said, You wait here, and I'm going to go over here alone and pray that would've been tough any support system somebody to buddy beside you and pray with you was gone he was out there on his own praying for himself and for the cause that was before him that gave him the spirit and this and the abilities to carry on by praying alone that did help so a positive mindset whatsoever things are of good report, whatever things are, and on and on. Where's that? Philippians 4, verse 8. Names a bunch of things. All of these good things, we should have our mindset on, thinking about them, do things that are positive. A lot of people dwell on negative things, and I have to admit, I was raised that way, I guess. (laughs) My dad was not a positive person, and uh, so our household was run in uh, disarray not a positive person my mother was but it took a while before she could bring her her, uh, abilities and her uh, spiritual life to the to the kids but yeah if we have a negative outlook on life all the time you can expect the worst and sure enough it'll happen my old saying aim at nothing and you're bound to hit it (laughs) yeah so we've got to have something better going on. We need to look for the good in people instead of the bad. And the bad in situations that are going on around us. We need to look for the good. And uh, like one, one person said, Oh man, I was hoping for a good outlook for the Lord where I can really do something good for the Lord. And all I got was this factory job. And the positive thinking person said, Wow, God gave you that whole factory to evangelize? <laughs> Uh, yes, you can have a look at the positive side of things. Uh, in uh got two verses here and some uh, notes on my own on the side. Jesus was a positive thinker. He possessed a positive faith. If ye shall ask anything in my name. That's a positive statement. We need to be thinking that way told his disciples that, I will do it. John 14. Turn with me to John 14, because I just got to see the next verse. I know it's there, but I want you to see it. John 14. And verse, verse 13 and 14. So let's go to John 14. And... Uh, Look at verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I read that in a certain way here because I'm thinking. We usually just read through this and miss the story. We hear a little of the words that went by, but we're not letting it sink in deep enough. He said, if you'll ask in my name, I will do it. Wow, that's something we can hang on to. I will do it. And why? Why would he do it? So that the Father would receive glorifying and the Son will receive glorifying. That's a good reason for doing this, for answering our prayers. So we need to ask the right way, so be sure we get it, and so that the the glory goes to the Heavenly Father and to the Son. In verse 14, if ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. <laughs> Twice in two verses. Wow. So that's, that's a real blessing right there. Uh, to receive that, whatever we ask, we will receive. For asking a certain way and asking with uh, patience and with uh, perseverance and with love uh, towards the Heavenly Father, that the Heavenly Father and Jesus are glorified in the long run. Patient mind. Let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and in entire, wanting nothing. That's in James chapter 1, verse 4. And that's that's amazing the way those words can just pop out as commands in a way. Uh, let patience have her way. Give her a head, you'd say, if you're riding a horse. That it may be that you may be perfect and entire that we will complete our spiritual life and our our abilities to serve God. Uh, That's what we're after. Uh, Jesus waits patiently for all who will come to him. Uh, I want to read in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Chapter 3. I even got papers in all of these too, (laughs) hoping that they'll help me get there faster. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, let's start at verse 20, but I want verse 21 as well. Chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Sounds good. And he's at the door waiting. We have to open the door. He's knocking, but he's not going to come in. He's not a pushy person. He's not going to overwhelm us, take over. He's knocking at the door asking us to let him in by just knocking, by just staying there knocking. And if he'll let him in, then it all turns to good. Because then we'll hear each other's voice. We'll visit with each other. We'll be able to eat with one another Visit with one another in verse 21. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. There's a blessing here that if we'll put Jesus first in our life, let him be in charge of us and take orders from him, um, be a friend with Jesus. Be an overcomer of Satan, an overcomer of this world. Don't let the world win out. That's that's not good at all. You've got to overcome. And then you can sit down with Jesus. Now, in his throne or on his throne, it's maybe not the question, but if he's in charge and we're there, we're in his kingdom. That's the good part. All the good things will follow that, whether we're eating with Jesus or being in his realm uh, that's all going to be a blessing, real solid blessing. And that's what Jesus is showing is that he's gone to be with his Father and is set down by his Father. What a blessing. So great there to, to be able to have that. So patience will win out. We'll understand that they um, be ready to, to lift less fortunate people. We sometimes don't think about who's around us. But sometimes there's always somebody that's got a sad spot in their life or something going on. Uh, we see it every week, actually. We go to the grocery store. And this last week there was a guy pretty bent over his his uh, resting on his cart and pushing his cart along and started talking. You could tell he was hurting in spiritual ways. He was dis- His mind was disturbed in... Uh, What's going on in our world and how bad it is, and you know he's just really disturbed about everything around him. And we were able to talk with them and got to teasing just a little, if you might say that's a good word, but something to break the ice, you might say, a little bit of calming of the storm, and uh, it'll work because they've lost their way. They've maybe lost hold on on Christian life and and um, people, loves, friends. Challenges. And um, then you begin to hear a little bit about their life. And he was a meat cutter at one time. So we were able to talk about deer meat and, and did he ever butcher elk? Did he go hunting? Did he hunt for elk uh, in Oklahoma? Um, it's uh, interesting. He was older now. And his uh, health maybe had gone downhill. But it's always that you can say something good. You can Im- improve on the situation or visit with them about salvation, about Christ. So that's what we are called to do, right? To be peaceful and and give them a good mindset. Uh, When Jesus was leaving this earth, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. That's in John 14, verse 27. Um, Not as the world giveth. The world tries to give us some peace. But it's not there. It's all shallow. Give you a piece of candy and you get sick on the sugar. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's how our world is, right? They give you something that will ruin your teeth. It's, uh, this world is not going to give you the blessings that we were hoping for and the peace that we're hoping for. Um, but Jesus can. He will give it to us. People search for peace in all kinds of ways and they fail. There is no such thing as real peace. Without Christ and without the Heavenly Father, there is no lasting peace, no good peace. So we try to measure, and it can't be measured. Peace is free. We just have to yield to Christ. And then we'll get the peace that we need. Jesus promised to give us peace to those who trust him. It's an interesting word. There's a a realm of people that I studied with or walked with whatever you'd call it they didn't want to use this word trust it's too out there that kind of church over there uses the word trust have you ever looked it up in the bible yeah (laughs) start looking it up the uh, word trust that we can trust in jesus uh, for our salvation Uh, we can have a troubled heart but we can trust that jesus will make it better Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's John 14 and verse 27. We can be lifted up and assured and blessed. I want to get to Matthew 12. Let's see if I get lucky here. Matthew 12. (laughs) Uh, Matthew 12 and verse 21. That verse reads, And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. We're Gentiles. We can trust in Jesus Christ. We weren't born in the Hebrew country, in the Hebrew land. We weren't Jewish uh, or any other name, Hebrew. That wasn't us. Not that we know of. (laughs) Uh, Bloods are so mixed nowadays, it might be. But... (laughs) Um, the Gentiles will or shall, Matthew twelve twenty one. So it says they shall trust, and in Romans fifteen verse twelve, the and and again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to realm, to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. Without reading the context, I have to tell you a little bit. It's telling us that Jesus is going to rule. He's going to have that power and authority over all nations and all peoples and all everything you can think of. He's going to be in power of it. It's interesting. All he has to do is stop the vibrations in the crystals. This whole world stops. Cold turkey right then there. (laughs) It's that simple. (laughs) So he's going to rule. But uh, Isaiah had said that already way back there. Root of Jesse, that's Jesse that was David's family line. And it's going to be one of the family members, you might say, from that family line, which is Jesus Christ, we know. And he shall rise to reign. Reigning. He's going to have the power and authority. He's going to be the one in charge But he's going to be over the Gentiles. The Hebrew people didn't want to hear that. We're supposed to be the honored people. We get first choice, we get this, we get that. But it's going to be over the Gentiles. And you know what? If the others want in, they're going to have to be grafted in. It's not just because you got a Hebrew name or certain spelling of your last name. That's not how you get into this kingdom. Wow. You're going to have to come as though you were an outsider and step down a piece. Say, I'm not the promised person. I'm not the one with the golden key. And Jesus will take us in and we'll trust in Jesus Christ. The ones that the Hebrews didn't want to trust in. They wanted to find out how to kill him. And eventually did. But he rose from the grave and is now our Lord. He's gone to the Master, the Heavenly Father, And he sat down with him. And one day he'll come back to rule this earth. We need a purposeful mind, making a purpose of what we're doing. In Ephesians 1 verse 9 it says, Having made known unto us the mysteries, mystery, of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Wow. Again. Jesus Christ is here involved. Jesus has a purpose. He's got a mystery of what's going on. Heavenly Father knows what's going on. Um, And this is all going to be plain to us. We're going to understand it. Purpose of himself, the Heavenly Father and the Son. We're going to know what's going on. And of course they do. Many people live without purpose. They don't know where they're going or why they're going. They don't know how they existed or where they came into existence. In, into existence because somebody told them that they crawled out of a pond, and came to life. And you know, the more you study on the human body, you take the eyes and study on the eyes, you realize this is a miracle. It cannot happen by accident. And two at the same time, exactly the same time, built exactly the same way, totally by accident. No, it <laughs> doesn't happen. Heard a story about the guy that was telling his atheist friend about his car, and he drove up with his nice car, and a friend says, Oh, that's a nice set of wheels. Said, Yeah, it just oozed up out of the pavement. No, you can't do that. You have to have a master designer to build something that's that good. Yeah, (laughs) a Creator, a Heavenly Father that created us. Uh, We didn't just merely come into existence. We were miserable and unhappy. We need to be successful, Uh, if we want to be successful, we need to live with a goal in mind, a goal in Jesus Christ. If we would pick up on Christianity and say, I want to learn about it, I want to find out what it's all about, I want to know what this life is all about. Why is this life here? All these miracles in the sky, miracles around us everywhere from the human eye to the... I had a study in the course I took, (laughs) Uh, civil engineering involved uh, the uh, body cells. Why? I don't know. And some on the heart, some on the ear and so on. Um, and that little cell gets a signal from the guy next to him and he has to s- spray out some little things that go over and they touch the other one. How do they know color, temperature and all of that? Yeah, just that's, that's a miracle right there. Then it goes to that next cell and he runs it down to the other end of himself and he's got to let it out on the other end let out some signal and some fluid and, and some little things that can go back and forth from one to the other to receive and so on. And it goes to the, to the next one, to the next one. To, and you know that happens when you stub your toe and it, that long and your brain knows about it and gets your foot out of the way. <laughs> That's all um, just happened by accident? No way. There was a master designer that designed that. So, we need that goal in our heart and our mind what what we're going to do with life and and what is real, what's valuable. Getting close to a conclusion here. Christ's life was vibrant with purpose. Always had a purpose in what he was doing. He seemed to be wandering about here and there, and all of a sudden he did this amazing situation, then wandered about something, and then this amazing situation. He knew ahead of time what was going on. They were going to walk him up a hill and throw him over the side, and he just walked through them. They couldn't find him. He just vanished from them. They couldn't do what they wanted to do. Jesus knew what was going on, and he knew how long he had. He knew exactly when the timing was, when he should go to Jerusalem because they were going to get him anyway. At that point, yeah. So there's he knew it was coming, but he had a goal in mind. He needed to get to the cross. He needed to make sure that he did it right the first time. There's no second chance. Do it right the first time. And he did. He was our Savior. He lived. He died. He was resurrected. He ascended. He's coming again. All of that with purpose in mind of what he was going to do. So I'm going to read it from Ephesians chapter 3. I think I'd like to read more from the Bible if I can here. Ephesians chapter three. And we'll start with verse eleven. Verse eleven. According to the eternal purpose. There's the word we'd like to look up once in a while. Which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Heavenly Father, verse, verse above, the wisdom of God. It's the Heavenly Father that's doing this, and he purposed it, planned it, worked it through his Son, Jesus Christ, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, as Paul writing to them, and uh, then he's saying not not at my tribulation at you for pardon me which is your glory it's great to see that you have this perseverance with you this purpose in your life for this cause i bow my knees to the father of my lord jesus christ some people say i will not bow what about that over here just a little ways back? Every knee shall bow in heaven or in earth. Whether you want to or not, you will bow. His power and authority will be so great you'll be just overwhelmed as to who this is. Now, if you knew him, if you knew him, you say, Come, Lord Jesus. Hurry. Come on. I want to get to know you. I want to be see you I want to eat with you I want to be with you in your realm and your kingdom so for this cause because he's so blessed he's so raised up he's so glorified that every knee shall bow unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ so that's the, the blessing that we're looking for could read a lot more carry on on the same idea but that's where I need to end for today and I think I've covered pretty well everything I had noted And underlined, I will do it, I have underlined on the other page. (laughs) So look for your blessings from the Heavenly Father, from uh, believing in Jesus and living for Jesus. And then you'll have this, um, this prayerful mindset to always be in prayer for the help from the Heavenly Father and from Jesus Christ. Positive mindset, you'll have a patient mind waiting for the coming of the Lord. And also a patient, peaceful, peaceful mindset. Our world is going crazy and fast. Okay, and um, have a purposeful reason in your mind for what you're doing. May God bless you.